0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now, here's Pastor Fraser with today's message.
1: If the Lord's our shepherd, we shall not want, we shall not lack. Any good thing in our life, God's going to take care of us. He's going to make us healthy. He's going to make us strong. He's going to take care of us financially, materially. He's going to take care of us spirit, soul, and body. And materially, every area of our life, God wants to provide for us. Provide for us the things that we have need of and the things that we desire. He is the God who's more than enough. As he provides for you and I. If he doesn't provide for you, then he's not Jehovah Jireh in your life. He's not Jehovah Jireh. But if he is Jehovah Jireh, then he needs to be Jehovah Jireh in your life. You need to receive him as Jehovah Jireh in your life. The God that is providing for you. So this is who he is. He's not holding anything back from anybody. He's not withholding any good thing from you and I. It's not who he is. The Bible says that he makes his reign come down on the just and on the unjust. His reign of prosperity, his reign of goodness. He, he even causes it to come down on the unjust. If it comes down on the unjust, how much more the just or those who have been justified through faith in Jesus Christ. So you see, he's, he's no respecter of persons. He's not holding anything. This is who he is. He's just good. It's the devil who goes around seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. God's not in that business. That's not who he is. So when we see things being taken from us, when we see things being stolen from us, we, when we see ourselves being robbed of good things in life, being robbed of health, being robbed of strength, being robbed of prosperity, and so forth and so on, when we see ourselves being robbed, we know that's not coming from God. It's not God's will. God's not holding any good thing back from us. When we see people perish or die prematurely, we know it's not the Lord because the Lord says that he's not willing that any, that, any that, that would be heathen, saved. He's not willing that any should perish. He don't want folks perishing. He wants people to live out their days with fullness of life with more than enough, fully provided for. He wants the same will for us on earth as he has for those in heaven. He has the same will for us on earth as he has for those in heaven. So this is who he is. This is what he does. Almighty God, provider, healer. This is who he is. So then you look and you say, then what's holding it up? In my life, if this is who he is, if this is what he does, then why the delays? Why the hindrances to my having all these good things in my life? What is what's the cause for God not being able to be God in my life? Because that's all we need God to be. We just need God to be God in our life. If He's turned loose then we will be loosed from whatever the enemy has tried to bind us with. Whatever has tried to bind you, whatever has bound you, you will be loosed if God is turned loose. So it's just a matter of God being turned loose. We don't have to beg God to do stuff. When we pray, we don't beg because we don't have to beg because he wants to take care of us. It's his good pleasure ...to take care of us and to give us good things. So we don't have to try to get God to do good. God is good. He is good. You don't have to try to get him to, good, to do good. He's just good. So if he's in your life, then all we should be experiencing is good. True? But there are things that do get in the way of God being God in our life. And how people would like to learn about some of those hindrances... To God, being God in your life, so that we can get those hindrances out of our way and turn God loose. And when He's turned loose, what's going to happen? You're loosed. You get loosed. How many people get a little. How people like to get a little bit more loose this morning. Huh? Turn to somebody and say, "Loosen up. Loosen up. We want to get loose this morning. Amen." Well, we got to turn God loose. Just turn him loose in our life. I don't want to hold him back, do you? I don't want to keep God from being God in my life. I want God to be able to be who he is in my life. Say, it grieves him when he can't just be who he is. It grieves him when he's hindered from being able to do what he delights in doing. The Bible says he delights in the prosperity of his servants, he delights in that. Anyone serving the Lord? He delights in your prosperity. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be blessed. So we need to understand that and get a hold of that with our hearts. That God doesn't need to be forced to do good. He is good. He is good. And so he does good. He does good. Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And he went about doing good and healing a few. No, the Bible says healing all who were oppressed of the, the devil. So it was the devil that was oppressing people. But Jesus said, you see me, you see the Father. And he went about doing good and healing all. All, 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 all. That's, every, that's everybody in this room. That's you. That's the person next to you. God wants good for all. Amen. He wants to do good to all. So, let's go here to Luke, the 10th chapter, and look at a woman who was loosed by the Lord and learn from her. Apparently, for her to have been loosed by the Lord, she must have turned him loose. She must have turned him loose. So, let's learn how she turned him loose and learn how to get loosed ourselves. Can you say amen? amen. Are you ready? Luke 13... Verse 10, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed From your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. I like that immediately, don't you? Sounds like there was no hindrances there. She was bound for 18 years. Jesus called her to himself, laid hands on her, said, You're loosed, and immediately, immediately, She was made straight and began to glorify God, began to worship and praise God. Verse 14, but the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days in which men are to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, a Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound? Notice who bound her. Wasn't God. God didn't have her in this condition to humble her, to teach her something. He didn't put her in that condition so that he could set her free from that condition and get some praise from people. God didn't do this. This is the work of the devil. A spirit of infirmity. A spirit of infirmity. The work of Satan. Look at verse 16 again. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham... Whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced over all the glorious things that were done by him. Don't you hate those religious demons? I mean, you think about people that have religious demons. That's what this man had. He was mad that his fellow spirit of infirmity, the religious demon in this guy, was upset at the spirit of the demon of infirmity that was getting driven out of that woman so that that woman was set free. He didn't like that. He didn't like it. it got him upset. Religious demons don't like seeing people get loosed. They would like to keep you just as you are, just as long as you're in the synagogue. Just as long as you show up at church, that's all they care about. They're not really interested in people getting set free. But not so with Jesus. Jesus is all about seeing people get set free. He's all about people getting healed. He's all about seeing people get happy. Man, I'm telling you, God loves it when you're happy. He really does. I mean, I I can go off on that. I mean, I could just preach on that. That God loves it when you're happy. God loves it when his people are rejoicing. God likes it when you smile. Well, do you like it when people smile? You know, you're talking, sharing some good things with folks, and they just look at you. Does that make you happy? No, you look at them and go, something wrong? Wrong, right? You don't look and go, hey, everything's going great. No. You can say something wrong, right? Because it's wrong. To not be happy. Amen. God wants you happy. Praise God to sign things are going right. Now, you don't know what's going wrong in my life. Well, I don't know what's going wrong in your life, but there's probably a few things going right in your life. Therefore, brighten up. Right? If something's going right, just go ahead and brighten up. Don't keep focusing on the wrong thing, focus on some good things. And that's how you get more good things. Focus on what's going right. That's a good way for what's going wrong to turn out right. By focusing on what's right. All right? Our Bible says over in Philemon that our faith becomes effective through the acknowledging of every wrong thing that's happening in our life. No. No, I'm sorry. By the acknowledgement of every good thing. Every good thing that's going on in our life. Acknowledge the good things. And what's that going to do? It's going to cause your faith to become more effective, to be able to deal with the wrong things, the things that aren't so good. That's what will cause them to turn around. Amen. So praise God. Brighten up. Smile. Lots to be excited about this morning. Can you say amen? So notice here in uh, verse 16 again, Jesus said, so ought not this woman, Being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound. So, really, we can say right there number one, uh, 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 the number one hindrance to people receiving freedom from the Lord is not recognizing where their problems are coming from, not recognizing who their enemy is, not recognizing that it's the devil and not God behind their problems. Jesus made it clear that this was a work of the devil. This was not a work of God. This bondage that this woman was experiencing all these years. And so it's important to understand that because there's so many people that are out there thinking God is putting things in their life, not good things, in their life to teach them teach them something. Or for whatever reason, reasons we don't understand. God works in mysterious ways. And so people have all kinds of ideas of what God is doing in their life. And we have to recognize this is not the work of God. If it's bad, if it's evil, then it's not the work of God. Because if you keep thinking it's God, how are you going to get free from it? I mean, if God's doing it to you, you're done. You can't get free from, from God. If God wants you bound, you're done. If that's his will for your life, there's no hope for you. You're stuck until God maybe changes his mind. And he might not. But you'll understand it all when you get to heaven. No, we understand right now because we have the written word of God teaching us right now that no, that's not how God's works. That's not who he is. That's the work of the devil. So we need to identify who our enemy is. It is Satan. Jesus called him out. He called the devil out before this woman was loosed. Again, verse 16. So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound? Think of it for 18 years. Think of it. 18 years. Notice Jesus, it bothered him that for 18 years, she was oppressed. He's like trying to get it over to everybody. Do you understand? This has been going on for 18 years. This woman's been in that condition. We're talking 18 years, not 18 months, not 18 weeks, not not 18 minutes. I wouldn't want to be like that. Oh, 18 minutes. I wouldn't want to be bent over and like that. 18 minutes, I can't, I can't straighten up. I can't straighten up. Man, that's scary. 18 minutes would be long enough for me. This woman has 18 years. So Jesus is trying to stir up some compassion in these religious people, trying to help them to see, trying to help this leader of the synagogue to see that. That the, this woman, what she has gone through, and this is such a, a glorious thing that she's been healed, yes. that she's been set free. Yes. You're not th- you're thinking about your religion. You're thinking about rules and regulations. You're not thinking about this person. Yeah. You're not thinking about what what she has gone through. Now, remember, Jesus said, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." So that tells me the Father cares how long you are going without or how long you're in bondage or how long you're suffering. God is aware of how long you are hurting and it bothers him. In other words, God is not oblivious to time and what we experience every second, every minute, every year of our life. He's very much aware of time. He understands what it means to hurt for a long period of time or to go without good things for a long period of time. Now, it's important to understand that because there's scriptures like 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, that say, But beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. Well, you read something like that, you think, my Lord. You know, a thousand years is like a day to God? We're in big trouble, folks. Lord, I've, I've been sick now for X amount of days. And then you think, what is that to God? I mean, a a thousand years is like a day to him. He's not in a rush. He's not in a rush to fix your problem. Do you see that? See, I struggled with that for a little while. And I know other people have. Because you you, you read that scripture, you just isolate that scripture, and you don't get the context of that scripture, and, and you think that God could sit back and he's not in any rush. He's not in any rush to do anything. I mean, a thousand years can go by to him. It's like a day. And so that would make it seem that he's pretty insensitive to time. Time's not a big deal. The years of your life, what is that? If a thousand years is like a day, what is, what is your life? What is your few years? What is this woman's 18 years? Huh? If a thousand years, come on, get this. If a thousand years is as a day, what are 18, what is 18 years? Like to God. It's like nothing. Right? Which means it means nothing to God. That that woman's bound 18 years. Means nothing. And yet Jesus shows us differently. It means a lot. It meant meant so much to him that he stopped and emphasized it to others. He said, think about it. Eighteen long years. That's a long time to be an that And And he said, if you see me, you see the Father. So you see, this is how the Father thinks. The Father looks and says, 18 years. 18 days. If it's long to you, it's long to him why cuz Isaiah the prophet Isaiah the Lord said through the prophet Isaiah he said in all their affliction that he was afflicted the Lord is afflicted when we're afflicted Hebrews the book of Hebrews tells us concerning Jesus that he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities or our weaknesses he feels what we're feeling he's afflicted with what afflicts us in other words he hurts when we're hurting And so he doesn't want us hurting long because it hurts him. So you see, folks, look at Scripture like a thousand years as a day. And if you just have that and you don't look at Jesus, you don't get to know the Lord, you don't get to know God through Jesus, you can have the idea time is nothing to him. How long you have to wait means nothing. That could be discouraging. That can be a tremendous hindrance to the Lord being able to be Lord in your life, a hindrance to God being God in your life. So we have to get those hindrances out of our mind that create doubt and unbelief. There's a lot of folks, Christians, they'll say things like, well, you know, in God's timing, in God's timing. Well, take that, take that statement and put that with Second Peter that a uh, let's see a, a thousand years as a day. Uh, in God's timing, He'll go ahead and take care of you. Hey, I'll see you over an eternity. I mean, before we can expect too much change in your life, right? Is that true? In God's timing, in God's t- when is God's timing? When is God's timing? Well, he doesn't really have time. He doesn't really, he doesn't really keep time. It don't matter to him. He don't have a clock. He doesn't have a watch. He don't care about time. That's not true. Jesus shows us he cared about time. 18 years meant a lot to him. And it means a lot to God. So what's, what do you mean? Uh, uh, you know, in God's timing. When is God's timing? Well, let's go to the word of God and find out. Something a little bit more than 2 Peter. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. In verse two, where it says, for he says, this is what the Lord says. A lot of people say a lot of things, but this is what he says when it comes to time, his timing, this is what he says. He says, in an acceptable time, I heard you in the day of salvation. Now remember, salvation can be translated healing, deliverance, so in the day of healing, In the day of deliverance, I have helped you. When's that day? When's that time? Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Everybody say, now's the time. time. See, so that right there. We got scripture that says, God's timing is right now. Right this second, that's God's timing. For what? Healing, deliverance, salvation. When does God want somebody to get born again? He doesn't want, does he want folks to delay in getting born again? No, he doesn't want folks delaying to get saved in in the sense of being born again. Well, he doesn't want folks to delay in being healed. He doesn't want folks delayed in, in being delivered. Notice he talks about the day of deliverance. This is the day of deliverance. Now's the time. Today's the day. This is, what's, this is the acceptable moment to God. So we have to get over into the now with him. We have to recognize time is important to God. And that means God wants me to have good now in my life. He wants me to have good things in my life now. He wants me loosed right now. Right now. And notice uh, this, this, this ruler of the synagogue. What he got mad about. That Jesus had done this on the Sabbath. You know, this is, He said, hey, there's six days a week to come and get healed. But hey, not today. Not today. You don't need to get healed today. Come tomorrow and get healed. See? Not today. today. Today's the Sabbath. Today's a special day we honor God. And so, and so you don't get healed today. But notice, Jesus did it on the Sabbath. In other words, he didn't wait another day. He wasn't going to wait another day. He wasn't going to wait another second. Every say, God cares... About my life and how long things take in my life. Yeah, he, he cares about how long things take to happen in our life. He doesn't want us to have to wait another year. He doesn't want us to have to wait another month. Now, you have to know this about it because if you don't know this, you can't receive from him as you should. You got to know that he doesn't want you to wait another week. He doesn't want you to wait another day. He doesn't want you to wait another minute or another hour, another minute or another second. He doesn't want you to wait another moment. God says now is the time. And immediately she was loosed. Immediately she was loosed. God likes immediately. Follow Jesus around and you'll see God likes immediately. He likes now. Religious people like to say, not today. Not today, tomorrow. There's several other days you can come and get healed. Not today. Today's not the day. Someday. Someday. In God's timing. Just not today. God's just the opposite. He's in the now. I said he's in the now. And faith is in the now because it believes God is in the now. Faith believes God is a now God, and that's why faith is in the now. If you're in faith, then you're believing something is happening now, that God is doing something now in your life. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the substance of things. In other words... Faith gives substance to what you're hoping for. And hope is believing God for something. Believing God will do something. And it's future tense. God will do something. We're hoping for this. We're hoping for that from God. But we don't receive from God through hope. We receive from God by faith. So hope is good at waiting, but faith is good at receiving. And faith is present tense. Hope is future tense. So you start out in hope. You got to have hope. You got to, wow, I can have that. Oh, wow. This is how God is. Wow. This is what God, this is what God wants to do in my life. This is, this is God's promise. Whoo, hallelujah. You start seeing yourself with that. You start seeing that that's a possibility, that I can have that, that God will do that for me. That's that's how God works. That's who he is. And all of a sudden, your hope starts growing. And you start having a, a greater vision of what God has for your life. And then hope needs to turn to faith in order for what you're hoping to become a reality in your life. For it to become manifest in your life. You have to get over into faith. Do you see that? So you, you, know, you can check up on yourself by how you pray and how you talk. You know, if you're, if, you're, if you're praying and talking is always in the future tense. Asking God to do something. No, I know God's gonna do it. I know God's gonna do it. I know God's gonna do it. And there's some people, you know, that's a good place to start, but you don't wanna stay there because, because you can't receive there. I know God's going to do it. I know God's going to do it. I know God's going to do it. Great. And that's where we start. But you can't stay there and and expect to receive what you're saying God's going to do. Because it's always in the God's going to do future tense. You got to get it over here into the now. And there's been people that I've had to help, you know, you know they, we, we start talking a little bit about their condition or what they're going through and things like that. I know God's going to do it. I know, I know he's going to heal me. I know God's going to come through. I know God's going to, gonna, 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 gonna. He's going to, future tense. It's, it's going to happen. And, and, you know, I'll let folks go that way for a while because, you know, you have to have hope. You know, you have to have a strong hope before you can have faith. If I see they've been in hope too long, I'll say, now, 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 when's he going to do it? I know he's going to do it. When? 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 Well, you may not know how. You may not know when. But he'll do it again. Well, You better know when. When is right now. He's doing it. Not going to do it. He's doing it. It's happening. It's happening right now. Now is the, ex- the day of salvation. Now is the day of healing. Now is the day of deliverance. Now is my time to be loose right now. Praise God forever. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm loosed in Jesus' name. Praise God. Well, you don't look it. Do you feel better? No matter how I feel. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said. You know, somebody went up to Smith Wigglesworth. He was a great man of faith. And someone said to him, how you feeling, Smith? How you feeling today? He said, I don't ask Smith how he's feeling. I tell Smith how he's feeling. You got to tell Smith. Smith, how are you doing? You got to tell yourself, how are you doing? I'm doing according to the word of God. I'm doing good. Praise God. I'm prospering. God's working in my life. I'm getting stronger. Healing's working in me right now. It's springing forth. My body's getting better. I'm not speaking that out of my feelings. I'm speaking that based on what I'm believing. On my faith. Do you see that? So you got to get over in the now when it comes to God. Many, many don't know that God wants them well now. They don't know that. They don't know that. They don't know that God is concerned about time. He doesn't want you to stay in a condition for a long period of time. He doesn't want you hurting. He cares about time. He cares about how long things take in your life. And he wants you taken care of right now, right now. Now, notice this also. Jesus said, think of it, before he talked about the 18 years. He said, think of it. Think of it. In other words, Jesus, obviously here, had thought about it. He had thought of it. He had given some thought concerning this woman's condition. It didn't just go over his head. When he found out that for 18 years she's been like this, he thought of it. He gave thought to this. And he's trying to get other people. Now think about it. That's why Jesus was so moved with compassion for people. Because he thought about the people that were before him. And I got good news for you. He thinks about you. I said he thinks about you. And you need to know that about God. That God's thinking about you. Psalm 139. Verse 17 says. How precious also are your thoughts to me. Oh God, how great is the sum of them! If I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Just because you went to bed, God didn't go anywhere. Isn't that good news? You wake up, He's still there. Praise God, even if you don't feel like it. Sometimes you gotta remind yourself of that, you know. Sometimes you can go to bed, man, and just feel God. You know, God's there. Oh, Lord, you pray before you go to sleep at night. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You just pray. God's right there. You fall asleep. Wake up in the morning, half awake. You're half awake, you know. Quarter of the way awake. Feels like God ain't anywhere near you. But he's right there. He's right there. Notice how precious are your thoughts to me, oh God. The psalmist understood how precious God's thoughts were towards him, that God was thinking about him. A lot of folks don't know God's thinking about them. A lot of folks have the idea that, you know, God's not always thinking about us. He's got a lot going on, you know. God's very busy. He's a very busy God, and it's kind of like Santa Claus, you know. And, uh, you know, he's checking his list, and he's looking, and and, uh, you know, when he gets around to you, like, take a number, you know, when he gets around to you. Uh, you know, when you, when you come to his mommy, you come to his remembrance. And that's why we need a lot of people to pray, because we've got to try to remind God what we're going through. Get as many people as you can to say, hey, God, you know, I'm here. And I know you probably aren't even hardly aware of what I'm going through right now, so that's why I'm on Facebook telling a thousand people... <laughs> Because I know some, you're going to hear one of them. I know somebody out, somebody out there, God will hear you. Because I don't know if he hears me. That's why I need everyone else to pray for me. Because I don't know if God hears me. So so people aren't aware of how much God is thinking. When you're going through a trial, a test, sometimes it can feel like God's a million miles away. But it's in those very dark moments that we need to be able to have the confidence of the psalmist and to be able to speak those words and say, how precious are your thoughts towards me. How precious are your thoughts towards me. You see see me here. You see my condition. You care about what's going on here. You're thinking about me right now. You're thinking about me right now. If I should count your thoughts, they would be more in number than the sand. Think about that. All the grains of sand on the seashore. The Bible says God's thoughts towards you are even more so. More numerous. He's thinking about you even more than all the grains of sand. You, can't, you couldn't count that, possibly. That's how much he's thinking about you. So many don't know how much he thinks about them, how thoughtful he is. We serve a very thoughtful God. If you don't know that, it'll be a hindrance to you receiving from him. You need to know his thoughts toward you. Psalms 92. 92, verse five says, Oh Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. Fools don't, they don't understand this. They don't understand how deep your thoughts are. How deep your thoughts are towards me. You know, God doesn't just do things haphazardly. God thinks it through. And it's good to know God's been thinking about you. Somebody say, God's been thinking about me. When you you were sleeping, God was thinking about you. See, that's why you don't have to be selfish. Selfish. You don't have to always think about yourself. Why? Because somebody else is. Why would you have to always think about yourself if someone like God is always thinking about you? If God's always thinking about you, then you can go ahead and think about other people. Isn't that great news? You can just go ahead and help other people. You can think about other people. You could start doing like Jesus said. Think of it. Think of what's going on in somebody else's life i got my own problems. I'm so, I'm so full of my own life's problems. No, no, let God be full of them. I said, let God be full of them. He is. You might as well just believe it. And receive his thoughtfulness into your life. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. He said, the Bible says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. I know the thoughts that I think towards you thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Man, God's got your future already planned out. He's already thought it through. Praise God forever. So, you know, you don't have to work so hard at thinking about your future, your life. God's already thought it through. We just got to just connect with him. Say, Lord, you've already thought it through. You've already thought through my life. and You've got a future for me. you already got great plans for me. Lord, just help me to know what you want, what you want to do. I don't have to sit there and try to figure it out. is that great news? Yeah. Jesus was trying to get this over to us over in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, where he said, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Wow. Now, there's some folks here I could probably tell you. The number, you know, but I know my hair. You can't. You can't. You take, you take God to number my, my hairs. But you think about that. He's got every hair numbered. God. He's got every hair numbered. Every hair numbered. Why don't you just do this? See, he's got every hair numbered. Wow. Think about that. That's his thoughts towards you. He has, he has thought you through. And he knows when something happens and there won't be a hair there anymore, where there was a hair and you've decreased in number. He's aware of all these things. Let me read this from the... Oh, let me go on. Verse 30. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So notice, it says your father is aware of when a sparrow falls to the ground. Here it says it does not happen apart from his will. I think that's a bad translation. But the contemporary English Bible says it this way. Aren't two sparrows sold for a small coin... But not one of them will fall to the ground without the father knowing about it already. See, he knows about it. That's what it's saying. It's not his will. He didn't kill the bird. He said, you know, it's time for that bird to die. I want that sparrow dead today. That's my will. I made him. He's beautiful. He's beautiful, and I'm going to kill him. See? I made him so I could kill him. I like that. So I'm going to have him run into your window at your house and break his... That wouldn't make any sense, would it? No, it's not his will that the bird got killed and fell to the ground dead. The Contemporary English version says it this way. Aren't two sparrows sold only for, uh, for only a penny? But your father knows when any one of them falls to the ground. Another translation, ERV says, But not even one of those little birds can die without your father knowing it. And then he says, you're worth a whole lot more than a whole bunch of these sparrows. Now, I'm aware of the bird falling to the ground. I, that has not escaped my thoughts. How much more are what you're going through going to escape my thoughts? Therefore, what? Therefore, do not fear. Therefore, see, when we understand his thoughts towards us, how much he thinks about us, how thoughtful he is, It removes all fear. I said it removes all fear. But when we doubt and we don't know, God, are you aware of what's going on? Let me repeat myself for the 50th time of what I'm going through. Let me me go ahead and ask you again for the 100th time to change my situation, to help me, to get me out of here. Because apparently you're not hearing, you're not seeing, you're not aware of what's going on. And so people continue to pray and struggle to receive from God because they aren't convinced that he is thoughtful towards them, that he is thoughtful, that he cares about, he knows, he's very aware of what we're going through. He's very much aware of where we're at. We don't have to sit there and explain a whole lot to God. He already knew it. I said he already knew it before we begin to pray and talk to him about it. And he's got plans for us. Good plans. You might be going through some tough places, but God's got good places to get you into. When does he want to get you there? He wants to get you there now, but you can't fear. You can't fear. You got to know he's a now God. You got to know that now is important to him. This moment in time is important to him. And you got to know he's already thought through your deliverance, your healing. He's already got a future set up for you of good things. Amen. He's already got it all planned out. You got to know that about God. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. And then, verse 12, going back to Luke 13, verse 12. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. Notice that. When Jesus saw her, when Jesus saw her in other words she was brought to his attention she was brought to his attention what happens if jesus didn't see her that day what happens if she didn't come to his attention would she have been loosed she wouldn't have been loosed in order for her to have been loosed she had to be brought to his attention And where was she when this all happened? In the synagogue. In the Lord's house of prayer. She was in a place where she would be brought to his attention. Brought before him. And it's the same thing today. Even though God knows everything. Even though he knows everything. Yet our case needs to be brought before him in prayer. Our case needs to be brought up to him in prayer. Now, he said, don't go on and on in prayer because your heavenly father already knows what you have need of. But that doesn't mean you don't pray. You know, well, he knows, so we don't have to pray. No, no, that's not how it works. You still have to bring your case before him. You still have to present Your your case before this woman, her case, her condition was brought before him. Your case, your condition needs to be brought before him today through a thing called prayer. Prayer. We need to pray. The Bible says you have not because you, you ask not. We need to present our case to the Lord. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 21 says this. Present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reason, says the king of Jacob. Notice that. Present your case. Why, God, you know already, because I told you to. See, there are some legalities to receiving from God. And one of them is we need to pray. We need to present our case to him. So he says, present your case. Bring forth your strong reason. And then Isaiah 43, verse 26 says, put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. That you may be acquitted. It sounds like a courtroom, right? And that's how It works in the realm of the spirit that we have to come before the high court of heaven and present our case before God, bring forth our strong reason, bring forth his promises, put him in remembrance of what he said. He hasn't forgotten. He hasn't forgotten any more than a judge forgets the law. Yet the attorneys have to come and they have to present those laws before the judge. Doesn't mean the judge doesn't know the law. But in order for the person they're representing to be justified, to be acquitted, you got to put the judge in remembrance. And so there's some legalities to receiving. We need to understand that we need to approach God with our case, with our strong whining and our worrying. And all are fearing. No, that's a good way to get kicked out of the courtroom. You you don't go in there whining. You don't go in there worrying. You come with your strong reason. And you present your case to him. And you bring it before the judge. You bring it before the Lord. And you present it to him so that now you can receive From him the thing that you're asking. That you could be acquitted. That you could be found not guilty. And the devil will have to lose you. He'll have to let you go. Because you're not guilty. Sometimes you got to come in there and say. Hey, hey, hey. I'm the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. It's right here in the book of Romans. "I'm, I'm the righteousness of God. In Christ. By the blood of Jesus. I've been made right in the sight of God. And by his stripes. I've been healed. Now, I come and present that before the Lord right now, and I receive that in Jesus' name. I receive my freedom. I receive liberty. I receive my being loosed. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. So you got to bring forth your strong reason. You've got you to bring this to God's attention. you got to bring it before him. Over in Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, you see an example of this. Back in the days of Moses. Right before God called Moses to go into Egypt to deliver his people. It says this in verse 23. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Well, how did God remember his covenant? Well, remember, Isaiah said, put me in remembrance. Right? Isaiah 43, 26. Put me in in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Put me in remembrance. So here it says, the people cried out to God because of bondage. God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant that he had made with these people. Well, how how do you remember his covenant? Because the people brought it to his remembrance when they cried out to him. In other words, they weren't just whining. I mean, you had some of that, you know. You know, doubt about it. You got a nation full of people being oppressed and beaten down by the devil. There's no doubt you got, you got people just hurting and crying, God, oh God, oh God, oh God. But that's not what gets answered. What gets answered is when you bring your request, putting him in remembrance of his covenant that he has made with us. And so God made a covenant with these people, the Jewish people, through Abraham. There was a covenant. These people knew about their covenant. There were some people that understood their covenant. And in their crying out to God, they brought this before him. They put him in remembrance of that covenant. And God heard it. And it was that that he was able to respond to. Do you see that? He was able to respond to that. And deliver the people. So, you know, a lot of times people fail to bring... What they're going through to the Lord in prayer. They don't do that. They don't bring everything to him in prayer. And again, when we come to him in prayer, we're coming in faith concerning his promises. The things he has spoken. We're putting him in remembrance. We're not just speaking the problem. We're speaking the problem with the promises. You're bringing the problem with the confidence of the scriptures the confidence of what God has promised. And when you come with those two things, you'll be able to receive what God has promised you in your life. You'll be able to be loose. You'll turn him loose. God's looking to turn loose, to be turned loose. I said he's looking to be turned loose. But these are all hindrances. People thinking God's insensitive to time, that God isn't really thinking about them, that God is behind their problems rather than it being the devil and then not bringing everything to God in prayer. Not bringing everything to him. You know the the old hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Bring it all. Bring it to him. Present it to him. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Now, there's a lot more to cover in this. And so, uh, Lord willing, I'll give you the rest of the points next time. But we need these things. I said, we need to understand these things. Can you say amen? We need to know our authority over the devil. We need to take authority over it. Stop blaming God for what the devil's doing. People still, you know, you could tell people that a million times, teach them that, teach them that, and then they get into a crisis and they still say, God, I don't understand why you're doing this. Or they get mad at God. They get mad at God. They're mad at God that they're going through this. It's like, what church you go to? Have, you been, have I been with you so long that you still don't understand these things? Yes, people still, when they get into their trials and tests, they still go back to that default mode of putting the fault on God. But we got to get out of that default mode and stop faulting God and start recognizing, no, this isn't what God wants for me. And no, God's not insensitive to this situation. He wanted this thing fixed yesterday. Actually, he wanted it fixed 2,000 years ago. That's why he did it 2,000 years ago. He did it. He put it all on his son 2,000 years ago. God already took care of this. So we're not going to take it another day. Somebody say, we're not going to take it. (laughs) We're not going to take it. Come on. No. We ain't going to take it. We're not going to take it. Why are you listening to that stuff? Yeah, I was testy on that. Now I know what you guys listen to after church. That's half your problem. That's point number six. <laughs> Change your radio station. Listen to something nice. Can you say "Man, Stand on your feet with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Somebody say, today's my day. Today's my day. Now's, my Now's my time. This is the acceptable time. This is the, this is the moment for me to be free. It's God's will that I be free indeed right now. In Jesus' name, I receive my liberty. I take authority over all devils, demons, and evil spirits. I will not be oppressed by you. I command you in the name of Jesus. Loose your hold on my life right now in Jesus' name. I'm free by the stripes of Jesus. I am free. I am delivered. I am healed. I am happy. I am holy. I am set apart for God right now, today, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for our freedom.
0: That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.